Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. This week we welcome back Paul Chandler, the shy yeti himself, that prolific podcaster from his very own The Shy Life Podcast. And we're going to talk about ghosts, but probably not the ghosts that you might think we are. Because whilst we ought to note the passing of that much-loved sitcom of recent years on Vision on Sound, and who knows, perhaps on another week we will, our topic today is more about the ghosts that have appeared on other television shows that we have enjoyed over the years. So whilst Paul and I will be having a general chat about the subject, we will be touching upon Randall and Hopkirk deceased in both of its incarnations, Paul's perennial favourite Dark Shadows, the Richard Carpenter classic The Ghosts of Motley Hall, taking a brief sideways trip into the Twilight Zone, considering the super supernatural elements of sapphire and steel, pulling off the mask of another janitor with the Scooby-Doo gang, chattering about some of those ghost stories for Christmas, and even making brief references to Nigel Neal's classic The Stone Tape. Not that we're going into any great depth about any of these shows, as every one of them could be worthy of an hour all to itself, and will be if any listeners fancy joining me to talk about any or all of them. Instead, Paul and I are just meandering through some of those dark places beyond the mortal realm and lifting the veil briefly to take the merest glimpse into those worlds beyond and our human interpretations of what they might be. So why not join me as I fire up our Fab Radio International time engines and take a trip into the afterlife, television style. Hello, Paul. How the heck are you, Paul? Oh, I'm not too bad, Martin. How are you doing? Ah, very well, thank you. It seems to have been a while since we spoke. It probably isn't, but for some reason, the way the universe works, it feels like you've gone over to the other side, which is kind of useful because I thought today, with the passing of Ghosts as a TV sitcom, I just thought it might be nice to talk a little bit about television series that have involved ghosts i know you're a fan of ghosts i know you'd you'd like supernatural television so i thought you're the guy to come to to basically spend a happy hour wallowing in the afterlife in the spirit world i suppose really although the one thing i can't talk about is that show ghost because i've never seen an episode the only sketch i've seen of that is Mm. like i think it was for for comic relief Mm. there was a sketch involving the cast with kylie minogue and i watched it because of kylie (laughs) Um, uh, but I, I do have the first season, but I didn't really... Right. I'm a bit funny with comedy at the moment, mm. so I haven't watched it. I'm sure I will one day, because I hear very good things about it. It's a theme, Paul. We don't have to take that yeah. show, but I, I just thought I it was... Just it in was... case you were going to ask Well, me. no, it's just it's been a lot of... <laughs> over the years, it's kind of weird. You, you realise quite how many shows, how many TV shows particularly, have involved some kind of ghostly entity, sometimes mm. very seriously, sometimes there have been proper horror stories and i know you're a fan of horror stories but my introduction if you like came from randall and hopkirk when i was a, a very mm. uh, randall and hopkirk deceased when i was a very yeah. young boy I, it was one of my favorite shows now i don't know whether i mean i would have been about six maybe when randall and hopkirk mm. was on tv 
And yet, for some reason, I really took to it. And I remember very much being so ecstatic when suddenly, about two decades later, they announced they were going to show them again because I hadn't seen them since since I was a small boy. And I don't know what it was about Randall and Hopkirk as a series, but I just loved it. I thought it was a great show. Now, it's got a little bit of hints of, um, like, The Ghost of Mrs Muir, hasn't it? It's got a little mm. bit of hints of... Um, what, what's that film... The uh, Rex Harrison film, uh, Blythe Spirit, um, Blythe Spirit. Yes. You know, yeah. it's got that same kind of thing where the afterlife is alluded to in the sense that, you know, they they are still with us, as it were. I know that's a very human hopefulness and probably is, <laughs> let's be honest, it's probably a lot of nonsense. But <laughs> but actually, I, I just, I liked, I liked the idea of my partner, the ghost. I liked the idea mm. of, of private detectives who had this entity who could help them out who nobody else could see i just i think there was a lot of fun i mean it was a dennis spooner creation randall and hopkirk so it was always going to be light drama comedy drama rather than you know full-on yeah yeah freak you out kind of thing but it was i think that makes it charm as part of what it makes it so charming mm. um and and not too some of the itc shows can be a little bit um humorous yes um, Yes, and, and, and Randall Hopkirk is anything um, but you know, but, but humanist. It's, it's uh, a nice combination. Uh, I think that's why it's probably one of the most fondly remembered. Mm. Partly, I think Mike Pratt and Kenneth Cope and Annette Andre sort of found the humour in it, didn't they? I think that was yeah. the joy of it, really. I mean, maybe some of the scripts were a bit more serious, but they found the fun in it. And once they found the fun in it, it became a really entertaining... I think it's a, I think they made about 30 of them. And, you know, with all sorts of problems. I'd weirdly being made, I think, at the same time as... It was either Department S or... I think it was Department S, actually. It was being made at the same time. as. And Department S, whilst I enjoy Department S, I think it's a great show. It's much more po-faced. And somehow it's like... The guys on the there were these two shows in production at the same time, and you always think the guys on one team must have been thinking, "Oh, they're having so much fun over there." Mm. And I suspect both teams were thinking that you know the grass was always greener on the other side. But uh, yeah. but yeah, so taking that as a starting point, I mean, were you were you actually a fan of Randall and Hopkirk? I was, but I didn't get to see it until its eighties repeats, and right. I think probably those were sort of like after midnight type repeats as well mm. um because, because i think it was on our, our late night late oh right um, okay. uh, show and there were lots of things i discovered like night gallery and, mm. and um things i don't i don't quite know what the, the history of it's uh whether it was repeated at a more sensible time at, uh, mm. but i think it probably was later on and but whether it had mm. been in the early 80s at a more sensible time like the avengers had been repeated i feel it was on in that six o'clock slot that that mm. bbc2 did for several years which was just yeah. a, a sort of cult tv hour that that seemed yeah. to well, sort of resurrect if you want to use that word <laughs> uh, but it sort of resurrected a lot of old shows for a new generation and i think it, it, it was discovered again by yeah. people who may have missed it the first time yeah around. because um the first time I saw UFO was also in this course, like midnight yes. slot. Mm. So you used to just sort of set the video for horror films and mm. things in the sort of late eighties, mm. um, and, and and shows like Randall and Hopkirk mm. and UFO. That was the first time I'd ever seen mm. them. I do. I love the I love the way Randall and Hopkirk specifically plays with the tropes of horror films. It does sometimes pretend that there's going to be something really quite scary going on, and, and plays with the sort of old haunted house thing and everything like that. Mm. But then sort of subverts it. I think there's there's a lot of cleverness 
to the way it just sort of dissembles that stuff. I mean, there are episodes involving mediums. And, and the other beautiful thing about it is the number of ways that they get Kenneth Cope to interact with the living world. You know, yeah. The number of people who have to be accidentally fading away on an operating table or, or they've been frozen in a fridge or something like that, yeah. which just gives them that moment. And he can pass on the message. I think it's a really clever show. I think... The first episode, I can sort of remember the first episode that I ever saw, mm. and this was, I think, before I saw it on, on sort of late-night TV, because we used to have a friend who was a, a bit older than us mm. who had had a video player very early, well, quite early on. A steam power. Um, yeah. yeah, sort of perhaps in the, the, the very late 70s or very early 80s. But she had mm. the odd Avengers episode that she'd recorded when it had first mm. been repeated uh, in about mm. 82 or whatever, 83. Um, and she also tended to video shows. She might not have the whole run. She mm. would video it because it had somebody... I remember there was a tape where she she hadn't even recorded the whole episode. Uh, there's an episode of the Avengers called Stay Tuned, which has right. Roger Delgado in. And I actually think it's a pretty good episode, but she'd just done the bits with Roger Delgado in. <laughs> um, but I remember she had a copy of The Ghost Who Saved the Bank at Monte Carlo, which right. I think is the one with Nicholas Courtney in. Mm. And so I think that's the first one I ever saw, like, on, on a... I can't say it's a pirated tape, because it wasn't. Mm. It was just a, an early home recording. So she must have... That, that, again, that, that, that sort of confirms that, yeah, probably it was shown at a more sane time earlier in the 80s. Um, that's before. a weird thing, isn't it? <laughs> that thing of having a favourite actor and only recording their bits. <laughs> yeah, because... Yeah, I mean... Let's face it, for some of us, if that was all that existed of the archive, you know, <laughs> it's something is better than nothing, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, I see that actually Roger Delgado was in The Ghost Who Saved the Bank of Monte Carlo as well as Nicholas Courtney. I didn't, ah. didn't realise... I didn't remember that, but, um, mm. yeah, I, I know Roger Delgado was in... in in mm. that Stay Tuned episode of, of The Avengers, because mm. that's all about hypnosis, that episode. It's, it's a, well, it's a Tower King episode, so it's bound yeah. to be great. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you see, that's the, the weird thing, though, for me, that is, is that as a child, I remember very, very vividly the one with the gangster, the ghost gangster mm. being on TV, which, again, considering I'd have been six, seven, eight years old, I, I just, it was that thing of being allowed to stay up <laughs> being yeah. allowed to stay up yeah. to watch Ransom and Hopko it was just one of my treats that one because I, I really talked to it it's odd when you think back I mean I you know I don't know how indulgent my parents were I mean I had my sister was a lot older than me and we didn't really have a television you know there was one TV in the room but I seemed to get my own way an awful lot in the terms of the <laughs> things we got to watch you know and I mean, I remember being very excited about the new Avengers when it started, mm. you know. And in fact, I remember my dad making all the effort to do a bonfire night display and, and I'm thinking, mm. oh, get on with it, Dad. New <laughs> Avengers is on. <laughs> I, I imagine um, around the time I got into the Avengers when it was being repeated on, on Channel 4, I was mm. probably only 10, 11, 12 or mm. something. It's probably quite a relief for parents mm. that, their, that their nearly teenage son is... It's very excited about a show that they have yeah. remember from there from when they were younger and know that oh well that's pretty safe there's not probably anything that yeah. he likes he likes crime he likes Miss Marple he likes <laughs> Avengers he likes Doctor Who it's all quite safe really it's not gonna, it's not like yeah. it's going down trying to watch um, video nasties no. but that came later yeah. but, um, and you weren't down the park drinking white lightning with your mates and, no, and, and vandalizing no. <laughs> bus stops and things you were at home <laughs> watching the Avengers. No, no. 
<laughs> you see, it's a harmless thing. I know. I mean, apart from your bank balance, I think being a, a fan of old television is a, is a, re a relatively harmless uh, thing. I mean, I know we had the ghost of. Uh, Mary Whitehouse may be haunting us, but we had these people who used to tell us that television was very bad for us and it would influence us and turn us all mm. into to monsters and everything like that. But I think most of the people I've talked to about old television are reasonably well-balanced individuals on the whole. I think so. Despite all this um, uh, haunting and things and, and ooh, the dark arts. <laughs> I was going to say, one of my favourite um, examples of... A ghostly TV show is a show that wasn't necessarily intended to be a ghostly TV right. show, and that's my old favourite Dark Shadows. Oh yes, of because course. Yes. it was it was just like a I know big sort of gothic sort of mm. family in a spooky house mm. with sort of intrigue and and then but one of the first steps towards what the show it became was the the odd ghost. I think it was I think the first one might have been the ghost of a of a, of a pirate or or, oh, okay. or a, a smuggler or something, mm. and. Um, then these things started to get the ratings going up and they started to do it more often. And then mm -hmm. then they kind of went, OK, let's do a vampire next. And then it kind of exploded into the show it was, it's known for. But uh... Well, of course, it is weird because, I mean, you've been talking with me about all sorts of American shows over the last few months. But mm. Voice of the Bottom of the Sea had a, a ghost in it. You know, mm. a couple of ghost episodes mm. so it's mm. uh, it, it is one of those tropes that people sort of go to but for it to actually make a series completely change its direction mm. i think that's a fascinating mm. thing now uh, i noticed uh, you posted earlier that one of the dark shadows actors had passed yes lara parker who played mm. angelique well she played a number of different characters but mm. she was like a, a nemesis of barnabas college because mm. barnabas being a vampire he was often a, a sort of anti-hero mm. and um and Angelique would appear in different mm. sort of time zones. If they went back to the past, she'd be there, but in a different, mm. with with a different name, or like that. It was always the same. But I guess she and she was, um, yeah, she was she was really good. She, and she was she appeared in. Uh, I, we were, I think we were talking about her uh, when we talked about. She was definitely in that Kojak episode right. that you and I talked about. And um, I think she was in a few of those mm. seven, early 70s shows that um, we were talking about. Or, or I, uh, even if she wasn't in the one I watched, I see that she's in in, in, in the cast. Mm. I mean, it's nice to see that, that they some of the mm. Dark Shadows actors did go to sort of more primetime TV mm. uh, after uh, Dark Shadows. But uh, in terms of its spookiness, did Dark Shadows go for the all-out horror or was it kind of... It was more like Doctor Who level mm. horror. Right. Um, when they did, they did do a couple of movies in the early 70s, mm. one when it was still running and one just mm. after it had finished, and that was more like full-out mm. sort of um, the gory end of Hammer really? okay. sort of stuff. Um, and, and it didn't have the charm. Neither of the films were... Mm. They're, not, they're not awful by any means, but they haven't got the charm and, and, and the sort of... And they're, they're pretty well made as well, which mm. some of the reason people like Dark Shadows is that... It is a little bit wobbly, and, and people just keep on soldiering on. Um, mm. um, so it didn't have quite the charm of the TV show, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was made in a good time uh, because of being in the late 60s. Once they got the colour, they were very sort mm. of able to use the colour to do sort of dream sequences, and mm. it made it very quite trippy in places. And, mm. But uh, plenty of ghosts on Dark Shadows over the years. But uh, there was definitely like ghost children as well. Um, right. <laughs> the, 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 they were, Which are always fun. <laughs> they were always uh, seen but not heard, mm. or heard but not seen, but, uh, or seen through. But, <laughs> but while we're sort of dallying with the more light-hearted end of, of ghosts in uh, television programmes, things like the series Ghosts 
which I know you, you've said you've not actually seen yet, but yeah. that seems to owe an awful lot to the mm. Ghosts of Motley Hall, which uh, I have touched on briefly a few weeks ago in a conversation we had about Richard Carpenter. But um, were you a fan of Ghosts of Motley Hall? It's another one I've got the box set. It's right. If we ever do that episode where, where I go through my box sets I've not opened, <laughs> uh, I've not opened um, right. that's definitely one I ought right. to include because I've had it for ages and right. not watched it yet. So. But so it's not a show you've ever seen? No, uh, it's kind of, I think it's a bit too early in the, it's sort of mid-70s, mm. uh, it's, it's a bit too early for me to have seen it first time. Right, around. yes, of course. Uh, I, I keep forgetting how young everybody is. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, whereas Red to Ghost was, mm. was more my era, because that went into the sort of early 80s, um, almost the, almost the mid-80s. Um, but that is a weird thing, isn't it? That That's too children's series uh, that basically didn't quite overlap but ran between them you know over nearly a decade that were yeah. based around the idea of ghosts now there are people who get very agitated about well halloween but this idea of witches and the occult and everything like that as entertainment for children and yet these these gloriously successful gloriously well remembered shows were basically i i mean i know they're not they're not doing the proper occult stuff. They are played for laughs, but they are just two incredible successes from children's television that children absolutely adored. And I remember another children's show that didn't do ghosts all the mm. time because it was an anthology show. Mm. Was it was Shadows? I mm. I didn't see Shadows at the time, but there's definitely an episode mm. where I think it turns out there's a ghost, but it's a, a ghost from mm. the future. Which is when I went through all the seasons of Shadows, mm. I was quite impressed with that because that's not something you often get you usually it's always a ghost you know ghost from the past but uh, i think there was a when they, when they do there was a, a a need wasn't there amongst television makers of that era to scare the buggers to death really wasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um just going on a sideline very quickly <laughs> i'm reminded of one of my favorite episodes of the twilight zone which is intent well you know how how much i like night gallery which mm. i'm sure must have done a ghosty episode because that is more supernatural yes but Twilight Zone, one of my favourite Twilight Zone episodes, considering it's more known for science fiction, mm. is the one where the uh, phone line falls on a grave and the woman ah, keeps getting yes, a course. phone call and then it's traced and she finds, oh yes, it's, it's the phone line has fallen on the grave mm. of her husband, I think. Uh, that's one of, Again, that's one of the... I knew of the Twilight Zone before mm. I'd ever seen it and, and I remember particularly asking my mum, before I had a video in my room, I remember saying... There's this thing called the Twilight Zone, which I don't know whether they'd watched mm. back in the day. But I'm, I'm, can we video it? It's on really late though, mm. and I think I guess they knew the Twilight Zone wasn't anything to be too mm. worried about. And one of the first ones I, I ever saw, or maybe the first one I ever saw, was mm. that episode. So it's always stuck in my head a bit. And I guess it's a bit of a, a bit of a different one because it, it was definitely a spooky one. Mm. But, Have you uh, uh, seen any of the new, the latest version of the Twilight Zone? No, no, I haven't. I've I watched haven't, a couple lately. It, it, again, it's quite. It's it's a it's a very good concept for a show. The Twilight Zone. I mean, I I love the black and white, the fifties and sixties version. But you know, the later versions have always bought something. And I think what the interesting thing is, actually, if you compare like with like, you can see almost the development of television. You see, this is how we do horror in the fifties. This is how we do horror in the seventies or the eighties. This is how we do it in the nineties. There's a definite transition of. Yeah what is acceptable and what is too much and how that line has shifted over the years is fascinating. Going back to where we were talking about mm. 
uh, rent a ghost. Uh, I've I've seen that yeah, so maybe. <laughs> uh, well, Miss yeah. uh, Popoff, tilt it down. Yeah, we, we should, yes, we should uh, do a sneeze and I shall, we shall jump to a different subject now. Rent a ghost. Uh, I recently saw an episode on YouTube that I was pointed to, and it completely ruins that theory that some people who don't like how silly Rent a Ghost is kind of infer that it was much more serious when it started and it got very mm. silly. I saw an episode from season three mm. when, it's all the, when it's the original cast mm. and it was absolutely wonderfully nonsensical mm. and ridiculous, mm. uh, just like the later... Uh, see. So I, I the, the only really early stuff I've seen of Enter Ghost was the DVD release for the first season. Mm. Like I... I'm sure that was. I'm still sure that was pretty silly, but yeah, mm. it's certainly very much the the sort of enter ghost that I, I recognised by season mm. three with um, Mr. Claypole lo- losing his memory and forgetting that he's a ghost and mm. um, and, mm. peop- and and sort of it's all mm. of the usual all of the traits from the later seasons mm. were there in certainly by season three probably earlier, but um, well, I think again you can look at something like uh, Rent-A-Ghost and you can say it has a lot of connections a lot of roots in things like pantomime you know mm-hmm. there's a, and and yet the stage history of ghosts I mean you know Shakespeare has ghosts in it so there is there's a definite sort of thread running through the history of drama I mean I think from what I, I, I I'm not 100% sure about this but I think even some of the Greek theatre you know ancient Greek theatre has been interpreted as having ghosts in it as well you know mm. all the all these the chorus watching from on high you know it's it's a very strong powerful human thing that messages from the hereafter and all that kind of thing and yet obviously when it sort of manifests itself in panto and in farce as well you know it still seems to be something that really resonates with audiences yeah um and and with and with those sort of shows like Red to Ghost, you can sort of get children interested early on and then mm. they kind of it kind of gets you starts you on that path of being interested in things like ghosts. Mm. Then as you That's probably it, what you, where White House was objecting to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But because around the same time as Rent-A-Ghost was on, mm-hmm. I was well I say I was probably watching episodes of Saffron Steel, which ah. involved ghosts. Although I'm not sure that I saw the ones that are the most ghostly at the time, because but then it's quite easy if you're when you were quite young to mistake some of the characters as uh, like the only two I remember from original transmission were the man with no face and the the service station episode, mm. and and there are lots of sort of I'm not sure there are ghosts in either of those, mm. but there are sort of things where sapphire take turns back time mm. and, and, and it's probably very easy for a little brain to kind of um make the connection that sort of thing yeah. but then there were the ones that had i mean there are sort of there are definitely ghosts in the first story with the sort of nursery rhymes mm. or all forms of ghosts mm. and then of course there's the ghostly soldier mm. and, and and in the second well that's a proper haunting isn't it the yeah the, the railway yeah. station uh, story yeah, yeah. And, and and sort of ghosts of would you say there are ghosts of animals in the third one? There's certainly, it's different. That's a bit of a. That's where Saffron Steel sort of maybe added new territory and sort of mixed with different. Um, I think um, uh, Sapphire and Steel specifically is a very interesting show because it mm. kind of, on one level, it's sort of taking a rational approach to how these things might manifest themselves, things people have reported over the centuries. This is how they might be interpreted. This is how you might say oh well that's a manifestation of a time slip or or whatever but the fascinating thing to me is that 
that sapphire and steel also manages to be enigmatic itself so there aren't really answers mm. these people are time agents but what does that mean where do they come from where do they yeah. go why do they do what they do there's an awful lot of vagueness about their motivations and yet still very compelling now i always feel that nowadays if that show is made people would be wanting answers and i think part mm. of the charm of sapphire and steel is actually it doesn't give you answers sometimes it gives you things to think about and i think that's a, sometimes a more interesting way of making a television show yeah yeah it's, it's sometimes the answers if you do come up with the answer it can be it can disappoint people as well or not or or sometimes it is better just to be you know from the point of view of when i've written written things mm. um giving all the answers isn't necessarily um the best way to mm. to, to end things but uh, it really so depends. how old were you when you first sat down and watched sapphire and steel in its entirety I, well, I did um when its entirety probably late 80s right. when it sort of started to trickle through copies that people had got right um, of course because it was sort of, it didn't get a full release on uh, video did it but the, the word dvd releases much later. Uh, i think they did i think it did come out all out and did it oh, right. but oh, yeah because okay. i did have i did have it all mm. an official release and then of course soon after was buying it again right uh, on dvd but, you see i only got the first story on video and i I suspect I just didn't know that the rest of it came out. It's it's one of those ones that trickled out, like you say. But uh... yeah, um, it was one of those one of those ones that quite sort of enthused mm. our little group. Um, mm. and, and I suppose I was aware because other friends were buying it as well. But the first but, uh, story specifically, it seems to have more connections with the kind of children's drama that we, mm. that used to be on BBC and children's television or or on sunday evenings these kind of mm. like you know the moon dial or the, those kinds of shows or what was that one with the, the walled garden or you know the the hidden garden or whatever secret garden that was the film yeah yeah and uh, and those kinds of those kinds of connections because it had two young actors mm. in leading roles in it uh and yet it made this leap to this at the eight parter which is the one that people seem to remember which is the one in the station which of course doesn't feature children at all apart from the scary yeah. ones that occasionally come up turn up turn yeah. up and and haunt you yeah actually um i suppose talking about the man with no face i'm not sure the school kid the, the school kids they are they're, they're again they appear sort of ghostly but then mm. they're supposed to sort of escape from pictures so mm. it, they're, they're, even though they have ghostly Saffron still sometimes does do ghosts a hundred percent, and it's ghosts, mm. and sometimes it's things that almost look like ghosts, but there's another explanation mm. for for them. Um, but uh, so I sort of certainly associated Saffron still from what I had mm. seen uh, when I was very, well pretty young. I the only reason I saw Saffron still when it was being screened was that my dad was a businessy type person mm. and often had to go to sort of like round table meetings mm. and, and, and those sorts mm. of things and, and, and my mum would go and then I had babysitters mm. and, and I had obviously had babysitters that had um, very good taste TV <laughs> and so um, and I feel like I almost saw all of they must have been going out like every week mm. for, for, for well it's the same sort of slot as armchair thriller isn't it it's that sort of early evening terrify the, the Jesus out of the nation slot yeah. that it seemed to be on yeah. I'm racking my brain only because it's a favourite show to think how often if ever did Doctor Who do ghosts there must be some doc there must be a Doctor Who the only thing I'm thinking of 
is Day of the Daleks when that's just a comment about ghosts. Mm. There must be. I'm so, I think there are some in, in. There's been a few in the new series, haven't there? That, yes. Um, yeah. Because there was the Simon Callow one right at the beginning of yes. uh, Christopher yeah, Eccleston. Right, yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, yeah. Ghost Light has it in the title, but yeah. not it. Yeah. But there's not really any. Because, um, yeah, it's surprising. Because you have got stories you might say were supernatural mm. but they're not supernatural or sort of spooky stories mm. well it's funny you use the word spooky but it's not spooky as in we literal spooks no like horror fan rock is scary but mm. it's not scary because it's ghosts mm. and image of the fendal is scary mm. and but it's not scary because of ghosts mm. um well i suppose it does it, depend on how you define your ghost yeah. really i mean to a certain extent yeah. in horror fang rock ruben because he is a manifestation mm. of somebody who, who's died within the the plot i suppose technically speaking if you were living at that time and you knew that you would you know it's the same way that that technically speaking if someone's essence or someone's personality can survive in a photograph in the sapphire Mm. and steel story and interact with you then surely that is a manifestation of ghostliness yeah, yeah. It's just. I, I kind of, <laughs> if you're kind of philosophical weird. about it, you know. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it's just in a way kind of weird though to think there was never a proper in the first ghost in, a proper proper ghost story, um, considering that they did dip into a lot of of horror, mm. um, and, and there's no reason they couldn't have done a a, a, a really one. I'm, I'm, I'm just just sort of thinking I must be missing something. I must be forgetting about it, but. But, well, I yeah. suspect there were lots of what you might call local yokels who might have been thinking this something they'd seen was something else, you know, like mm. like some of the reactions in something like the Nightmare Man, you know, where where, yeah. where yeah. the local reactions are, or they're assuming it's a haunting or a spirit or something like that. Even uh, the stuff in Terror of the Zygons or something like that, you might sort of the locals might say something whoa no, it, you can't <laughs> can I go out on the moors or whatever, but actually. Yeah, very few proper all yeah, stories. I mean, I mean, the demons is kind of it, it gets very close to sort of that sort of thing with mm. barrows and all that sort of thing. But again, mm. it's not it's not ghosts. Yeah. Although um, Sergeant Benton does get beaten up by an entity, doesn't he? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and yet the, I mean, I still I, I rewatched Earthshock mm. um, over the weekend, and the feeling I get. In the first episode, in the caves mm. with the androids wandering around and just in shadows, mm. uh, it's as scary to me now, in a way, as if it was ghost. It's the, it's the same sort yeah. of scare, scary fe- feeling. It's just it's just it, that, it's playing on um, that creeping unknown thing, isn't it? It's playing yeah. on that sort of unseen terror, something in the dark. And basically, those beats, whether they have a rational or an irrational explanation, you know, have the same kind of stuff going on. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, even in things like Sherlock Holmes, where they try and pretend it's a ghost story, but then it isn't. You know? mm, yeah. uh, but the the feelings and, and the unease that it kind of triggers in you is part and parcel of all that stuff. I mean, when you think about an all-out ghost story like the the christmas ghost stories that used to come on or or something Mm. like the woman in black the nigel neal adaptation Mm. that was on whatever it was 1988 you know Mm. those are proper ghost stories but the same beats and the same ideas and the same feelings can be triggered by something that's a slightly different manifestation of that i mean we we come from even things like the horror films you know the frankensteins and what have you they're still setting the same 
something out in the darkness and you don't know what it is and what mm. its motivations are. And, and those things all come through in those kinds of stories. I feel like you get away with doing something like Scooby-Doo mm. where there's ghosts. I've forgotten Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I mean, there's, go there's ghosts... Oh, sweet, but, but then there was turned out to be the janitor with a mask on. Uh, <laughs> I, I think if you were doing that with if you were doing that in, with real actors and it was that every week, mm. you wouldn't put up with it. But mm. because it's a cartoon and it's and it's its main entertainment mm. is 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 sort of its cartoon appeal and the and the, the, and the characters, um, you you allow the, for the fact yeah, that it's I was not looking a real at ghost, a list a list though of shows that featured ghosts and Willow the Wisp pops up on it now I'd never even connected Willow the Wisp with being a ghost and yet yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, so cartoon ghosts are a big part of it as well yes Scooby Doo is a, a quite a good example really. I'd forgotten yeah, I mean, completely about it, yeah. Do the error meet a real ghost who's an actual ghost, not a janitor? <laughs> but I'm not sure. It can't be a janitor. To be fair, it can't be a janitor every week. No. I can't remember all the, <laughs> all the list of people that they meet. But... No, but it, it's a landlord or, or some local yeah. resident who's, who's, who's trying to protect some, something. But it is fascinating, that, because, again, it plays with all the ghost story tropes that we've known. And it, it does surprise me how many... When you look into it, how many ghost story tropes are comedy? You know, you look back at things like uh, the Bob Hope uh, films and what have you. You know, the, and, and and it's and it's just those same kind of beats, and yet this is a, a kids' cartoon, and yet they are at times playing it for all our horror. I, mean, I remember specifically from Scooby Doo, Where Are You? You've got the um, there's a, like a witch doctor one. You know, and mm. and you just kind of think the imagery just mm. is. I mean, you 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 know, you rationalise it and say there's no way that that janitor could have set up all the stuff that needed for it to be that convincing. But all mm. that lovely stuff about sort of old dark houses with secret passages and everything like mm. that. There's just such a rich tradition of that, and I think Scooby Doo actually sort of really hit a beat with mm. well, certainly with our generation. I mean, I, I don't know. Because, again, it's one of those things. We got these shows for years, but we got them years after they had stopped being made. But Scooby-Doo went mm. through so many manifestations, didn't it? Yeah. I'm trying to think if they ever did a ghost story in things like Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. Because I remember that time. Mm. I was, I've recently seen some of those episodes again. And the, the mm. title sequence really draws you in because it's all mm. sort of lots of shots of, of sort of spooky... Um, passages and, mm. and sort of investigation with torches and mm. that sort of thing. Um, I'm sure they must have must have done a ghosty episode, even if it turned mm. out again to be a human ghost, not a dead, mm. not a, you know, like a, a not not a. Um, so well, I've got one of those um, Alfred Hitchcock Three Investigators books, and that's mm. that's the mystery of the Green Ghost. So again, it was one of those things that I think every one of these series eventually had their ghost episode. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Are you mentioning? Well, we sort of talked about the ghost story for Christmas mm. um, type ones. I, I th th that was something I came quite late to. Um, well, that's we're I, moving into the more serious, proper ghost yeah. stories, there, aren't we? Yeah, and uh, and of course they're they're still sort of they've sort of been revived in mm. in um, and and the, I mean the majority of them are M R James stories, mm. and I wasn't really that aware of. Mr. James. No. Until um, I, the, I, I don't know. I think I, I literally hadn't seen them until they started coming out on DVD. Mm. And originally they become, they came out in sort of maybe three episodes on on a on a single disc, and then they did a box set. 
but that was before they started doing the more recent ones and um I really should read the originals, but I do tend to depend a bit on watching the TV versions. Mm. But then my flatmate, who's a big fan of Mr. James, will, will say, "Well, they've changed this. They've added another character. It's not. It's not right. It's not. It's not authentic." Mm. Um, and and um, it makes me feel I, you know, really ought to read and compare mm. and see what they have changed. And I think, I think one of the most recent ones, uh, they literally added characters because it was an all male. Right. And they just wanted to have have a more diverse. slightly more mm. diverse cast, mm. so they added a female character, but mm. it, she wasn't in the story originally. Mm. But yeah, and that the, they uh, because because that's the sort of series that started. It became it almost became uh, a series by mistake because the I, I don't even know if that it, technically it, it is part of it's been. They did one of the first ones they did was Oh Whistle and I'll Come to You. Mm. Um, my lad, uh, which Jonathan Miller directed, but that was mm. part of Omnibus, right? But it is kind of largely considered to be like part of mm. the Ghost Story for Christmas. It's on that. It's in the box set, mm. and and they they made the mistake of remaking that more recently mm. with John Hurt, which was good. John mm. Hurt in there, but again they had to change it. Mm. They kept having add, adding bits, and they didn't need to mm. add bits. It's almost like some adapters have to stake their sort of well this bit's mine sort of and this is well possibly as i suppose when it comes to something that's quite iconic and well known and a remake they've they've got to if it's too well known they've got to do something to make it different haven't they which is Mm. except i think in that case the fact that it was now a color version and the previous Mm. had been black and white Mm. um and it perhaps they could have just remade okay and said they were doing it have it in colour, mm. but uh, but there's an intensity, um, I think, to those those mm. black and white ones, a, a, a bleakness. To them. I, somehow, I find a film like The Haunting, you know, the 1963 version of The Haunting, mm. I find that much more terrifying than any any sort of remakes, really. Although weirdly, because yeah. television itself seems to have moved into the area of all-out horror recently, things like Haunting of a Hill House and you know Bly Manor and all these kinds of things, they are really becoming much more graphic and much more intense and they are i mean the difference now between that sort of television and the things you used to go and see as x movies in the cinema is 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 Mm. very fine line isn't it Mm. but saying yeah i'm just trying trying to think so those um the the ghost stories christmas some of them are are more ghostly than than others Mm. Some of them, it's a bit more sort of. There's sort of. Sometimes it's it's not clearly seen. Well, what you do see is very, um, mm. very fleeting, or, mm. or which actually works well. But um, yeah. I mean, there's one called the Ash Tree. I don't even. Mm. I wouldn't say that's a ghost story. It's more, mm. which which well haunted by visions. It, it mm. says in the description. But um, I think some of the ones they adapted. They they did sort of slowly, sort of change the remit a bit because mm. they did do Dickens's the the Signalman. Mm. That's that's definitely a, a ghost story. Mm. But, um, as were elements of the others, but some of them were more unseen things or mm. people being pursued by things or feeling that they were being mm. followed by things. Or do you think that's um, the idea though? Do you think the fact is that sometimes just feeling unsettled and feeling like. Mm. The turn of the screw, you know, the screw is being turned on you. Mm. It's actually somehow 
it doesn't matter if visually it's very fleeting or it's a sudden shock right at the end and mm. and then you go away and think about it or or you lie awake worrying about it overnight and sometimes the more graphic modern remakes actually don't leave you with that same sense of unease that some of those earlier ones because they were pushing an envelope and didn't or couldn't showed the visuals mm. in quite such graphic detail actually in some ways it was more effective yeah and i think a lot of a lot of the stories well i think mr james stories in general are quite subtle they're, they're mm. not sort of they, they are not just oh there's a man in a, a, a mm. sheet just walked in or anything it's it's a lot more creeping um and mm. sort of Something uh, you did in your dark, distant past has yeah, caught up with you, yeah, and all that kind of thing. Yeah, and and, and um, he he's um, yeah, he's definitely. As I say, I haven't necessarily read that many of the originals, but mm. he's definitely, you know, considering certainly the early ones were a bit mm. more closer to the the stories. Mm. Um, so he's he's a writer who I appreciate that particular style of mm. um, of, of certainly. And, I, and, I, and you know, I don't, I'm not really that that Christmassy person, but I always kind of keep my fingers crossed that there'll be another one. <laughs> um, um, I mean, they have, in recent years, they have, they have done, they, they've sometimes had a gap um, mm. uh, of a year, but um, there was definitely one last year, which mm. was, which was a, a good one. Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I, I have done a search already and not mm. been able to confirm I, any, um Yes or no, as as to whether there'll be one mm. um, this year, but uh, but uh, but in terms of ghosts and television, I mean, I will give a passing nod to Most Haunted, but I'm not going to. We're not going to. That's mm. that's a different kind of television. Same with Ghost Watch as well. And uh, I think some people would roll their eyes if I didn't mention the sitcom So Haunt Me. <laughs> if I didn't mention that uh, the sitcom So Haunt Me, because it's uh, well, it's just one of those things that people feel you ought to mention. But <laughs> but I don't know. I I think you know me. I like my Nigel Neal, and uh, mm. and and I whilst I think hauntings play a large part in one of my old favourites, Quatermass and the Pit. <laughs> Of course, again, yeah. the yeah. way that that is rationalised within in the story. But I think we can honestly say, apart from the woman in black, which I, we did mention earlier, uh, Nigel Neal's masterpiece in terms of terrifying people is the stone tape. Is the stone tape, and um, and uh, I, you did you did mention that you wanted to talk about the stone tape. Yeah, I think it's probably would be my go-to. In fact, I've got. Um, I've got the, it's dreadful these days. Mm. I've got the DVD, mm. but I found there was a quite a good copy on YouTube, so I've got it lined up to watch um, on 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 YouTube. Um, right. uh, really, I could just go and reach and get my DVD copy, but uh, mm. um, I but I, I I do like it because it kind of, other than being a, a scary piece of of TV, mm. it's it sort of I don't know if it inspired me to to kind of. You know, I've never seen a ghost, sadly, but mm. I like to believe that. I like the theory of what, you know, how, how that sort of stone could could put, sort of record um, what it sees. Yeah, mm. and and I was used to 
jokingly say, no, I don't work there anymore. But I, I used to jokingly say, after 20 years of working in the same college, mm. I'd like to feel like, like maybe I've left an imprint. Mm. So I'm hoping that... Um, uh, um, well, if yeah, the walls of the didn't... library didn't absorb anything of you, maybe the books did. There's a, there's a story yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I pretty much have catalogued them all. So I'm hoping that uh, um, they'll, mm. they'll, they'll be some inf- I'll have some influence. Um, and it's quite nice to feel that you might have some sort of mm. ghost influence and still be alive at the moment. Mm. So <laughs> It's a powerful piece, though, isn't it, Stone? Tone? Yes, it is, yeah. yeah. And, and um, yeah, I, I think the first time I saw it was when it came out on, mm. uh, so it must have been just word of mouth that it was worth, well, obviously, mm. but Nigel Neal is is, um, is going to be uh, sort of something that, that uh, interested me. But, yeah, because the, the first the first thing that I, I was aware of, of Nigel Neal was when they repeated, now, did they just repeat one episode of Quatermass in the Pit? Um, oh, for the, uh, well, it was like yes, the, there was like the 1991, yes, Elstree or whatever, well, not Elstree, yeah, yeah. but yes, I know what you mean, yeah, there was a, there was a one-off episode that was shown. And then, it, but then I think it was, it wasn't long after it came out on video mm. and, and, um, uh, and, and, Oh, I loved that uh, video version. I played that video version <laughs> to death, I really did. I mean, even now yeah. sometimes I, I, I can't quite work out where, when the commercial, sorry, when the end of episodes come in, it, it feels wrong because that edited VHS version is still the one that I first saw but uh, the thing about Nigel Neal generally is as a writer he, he was dealing with all sorts of gothic but sort of was it folk horror wasn't he and there yeah. was a lot of a lot of the stuff that came out of the things they talked about on the Isle of Man the, the stories they told the old stories the old tales and and uh, and quite a few of his works sadly are lost I mean things like The Road is a ghost story of course um, but uh, I feel that all these various other series and everything like that, and of course he went on to work on Halloween season of the witch, didn't he as well? Mm. Which is uh, the cinema version, but and that's again more more ghosts, weirdly. But mm. uh, I, I do think that Stone Tape possibly is the one that sort of sticks out from the seventies. Yeah, I mean you're a fan, I know, of the um, the Hammer series, and I know the Hammer series touched on ghost stories in their anthology, um, and I think even uh, Thriller did to a lesser or greater extent didn't it so but uh, I, I feel of of all the productions in the 70s um, stone tape is the one that stands out as being the quintessential 70s ghost story yeah and I, i'm often having to sort of tell people about it and because mm. and, and, uh, it's it's it seems to be well known amongst fans of mm. the but it, it's not sort of um, well, it's a hard sell. Like a lot of television of that era, it's a hard sell because people look at the flares and they look at the old tech or whatever, and they and they just think, oh, this is all the haircuts in, and this is all oh, this is all a bit silly, and uh, and actually, it's still a crackingly well done story. I mean, part of me, again, this is part of me wishes it had been written five years earlier and were done in black and white in a kind of <laughs> in black and white studios. But then, had that happened, it would probably have been wiped and lost. So. The fact we've still got it to watch is is powerful as well. I mean, there is there's always a problem with that sort of early seventies videotape as a sell. If you're already tuned into that sort of television and you like that sort of television, that's not going to be a problem to you. But for some people, you you show them this in the same way. Sometimes you show people a, a you know, cracking good ghost story, horror story that you like, horror film that you like, and they just look at it and go, "It just looks silly. It just looks daft." You know, the Kensington but gore the, everywhere and everything. In, like that. In the seventies, I think 
that this that I can think of at least three examples where, if not a hundred percent ghosts, stone circles definitely conjure oh, up spirits, and so you've you've got you've got the 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 Quatermass conclusion, mm. which is about sort of what well, starts off being about um, sort of um, hippies and mm. stone circles, and you've got like stones of blood in Doctor Who, mm. which has got stone circles, and that's a a different thing altogether mm. again. But it's all, mm. but it's, but it, but it's done. At least the early episodes are done to be. Mm. Oh, it's spooky! It's what is mm. this? It's stone circles. What, what, what's, what's lurking out there? And then, of course, you've got children of the stones, mm. um, which. Um, I genuinely think they were out to absolutely terrify the kids in the seventies. <laughs> There's, I mean, I know there are people who write books about this kind of thing, which you know, it is perfectly reasonable, and. But even they used to try and terrify us in the adverts, didn't they? You know, the, the public information films, they used to try and find new and exciting ways to scare the living out of us. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, again, not not ghostly, mm. but, uh, you know, some of, some of the, uh, some of the survive, even the surviving episodes of, of Ace of Wands mm. have some quite, you know, the, the peacock pie, mm. that, that's very trippy, that's very adult, mm. um, and that's something you know, more hallucinations mm. and the character the character being able to influence people's minds mm. but that is, is still mm. quite a lot to um, well there are even illusions aren't there in the tomorrow people because of the way they vanish and appear and sometimes again the the saps as we were <laughs> you know our reaction to them vanishing and disappearing can be quite superstitious you know and all that kind of thing yeah. so uh, Again, there does seem to be a tendency within children's ghost stories to try and make out that you know that, that this isn't real, kids. But you know, it it's still a very strong thread, and it it does seem to have, have worked very well. Uh, as we finish, uh, as we approach the end of our hour, I just thought I would briefly return to where we started because uh, mm. I recently rewatched uh, the remake of Ranton Hopkirk deceased yeah which in terms of being a well it's 20 years old now but a more modern take on on the ghost as assistant if you like I mean I know there have been lots to be honest I mean there are there are these kind of characters in in Buffy there are these kinds of characters in Angel Charmed you know there are ghost characters that that feature in a lot of the American slightly supernatural tv shows but I actually on rewatching it recently, I I rather enjoyed the remake of Randall and Hopkirk. I did it at the time, and I just haven't. I, and I do have it on DVD, mm. but I, I just haven't gone back to it. Mm. Um, and and um, I do remember. I do remember enjoying it. Of course, mm. of course, there was the Tom Baker connection, mm. um, which made it um, more watchable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, but um, does it? But you think it still stands up? Well, I think there's also. I mean, uh, Charlie Hickson wrote a lot of them, and yes. and Charlie Higson's writing. I actually think sometimes the writing of that sh- series is actually a lot better than mes- necessarily than how it turned out. If if that mm. is a lot of very clever ideas going on in there, you know, and and using the ghosts and the afterlife in a different way to the original series. But I think it's actually a far cleverer series than. At the time, we thought it was. I think my, I, I was probably just massively disappointed that it wasn't the original again. But, mm. but actually, I enjoyed it in the end on the rewatch. Yeah, I, I, I was sort of now and again. I sort of wonder how well it's aged, and should I mm. watch it again? I probably should. It's just, um, 
probably being a, such a busy podcaster, it does take a really long time. Um, to it takes get a lot of time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Um, and, um, I seem to acquire just... television at a faster rate than I can watch it these days. <laughs> I actually sometimes think if anything happens to me, I need, I need, I need to haunt this place and make sure somebody's watching the telly for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because there's so yeah. much still that needs watching. I mean, again, you know, if you want to get philosophical about these things, television itself is, a lot of it is is about ghosts anyway. Because this is, mm. in a lot of cases, are people who are, have since passed over, whose performances we are still able to see through an electronic medium which makes it possible for us to do that and i think in some ways the idea of the spirits of the people who made television surviving after them is a very it goes back to some very sort of dark ideas medieval ideas of what the afterlife might be people okay they're not manifesting themselves but their work is living with us if you like mm. on well you pass their time and that's a kind of weird interpretation of what a ghost might be but, um, i mean it's always they've always interested me even in my writing and um mm. you know but i i tend to i tend with a lot of these things i tend to take a slightly comic turn and i like to mm. knock the edges off mm. the tropes and kind mm. of say actually that's not true at all or actually you know i i think i i think it's the ventigos thing of, of yeah, well, a ghost or a vampire still got to pay the bills and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, I, I remember having a ghost in one of my um, home movie series, um, which was basically, I mean, it was deliberately cheap. It was just a handkerchief with some eyes drawn on, and I could just <laughs> then I put my hand under it and make it go in front of the camera, and he was called Sam the Ghost, and um, uh, and and I was yeah. I, I think that's why ghosts don't show themselves to me because I take the mickey out of them too much. Were you, um, were you ever frightened by ghost stories, Lou? Ever? I, 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 I probably more intrigued rather than mm. hope. Hope it just made me want to meet them. You know, right. you listen. It's like listening to the Beatles. You know, you quite like to, you quite like to have mm. met them. Um, you know, we read some ghost stories, mm. and you, I, I always kind of want. I even think about what would I do if, if a ghost came up? Would I, would I run away screaming, or would I sort of say, "Now stop that! Mm. Just behave yourself." Mm. I would like to think I'd do that, but I'm sure I would just run mm. away and just be scared. Mm. So you you don't think you've ever actually seen a real ghost, or at least. How would you know? No. Maybe you just talk to them and you just... Oh, well, yeah, yeah. And I do know people who have told me stories mm. that, that, where they say they have seen them. Mm. So, And they're people who are perfectly rational people, so I kind of... My hair turned white over 30 years, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that happened to my beard. It took 20 years, but yeah. That was that was slow, <laughs> slow-burning fear. <laughs> so, uh, um, finally, I suppose, can you remember your first ghost on television? Can you remember the first time you were aware of a ghost? And I, I think it might have to be Scooby-Doo, mm. because... Um, but did you turn to somebody and go, and go? Did you need an explanation of what that was, or or was it very obvious straight away? I don't remember, I don't remember ever asking what a ghost was. Mm. I think I just uh, just sort of accepted. Um, yeah, so they're kind of so sort of deeply into the, the we understand immediately what they are. Yeah, yeah. I remember going being in my pushchair and my gra and my gran and my great aunt. My parents must have gone away and they were looking after me and they took me off mm. to a sort of spooky, upper spooky 
pathway, which is I can still see where I'm right. recording now, and I'm feeling unnerved. And I and I went back to that area as an adult on mm. a on, on my bike, and I would still feel that sort of. Mm. I mean, there are spooky places mm. around near where I live because a lot of the sort of more countryside bits are where the the highway men mm. would have been. Oh yes, um, and, and we do have a sort of we have a place called the Miss Maze. Uh, which I record, used to visit and then later recorded at. And, and it was one of those things, you're in a ring of trees and suddenly there's no sound. Mm. And I remember recording there by myself and sort of feeling, well, this is kind of, mm. yeah. Um, if you did see like a figure standing yeah. in the woods, um, and, and I, I have since researched and found, yeah, there are mm. known stories, but they're not, you know, like really famous ones. Mm. But um, So there are ghosts in the area of Wiltshire where I grew up. Mm. Um, which, reported so ghosts, yeah, yeah. but yeah, because I mean, you know, like everything, there's there's always genuine sort of sightings that are reported, but you know, there's no, I suppose, there's no real proof. But I, I mean, I think we've all had that that feeling when we're alone in a house or something, and and something moves somewhere, and 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 your mind immediately goes towards the the supernatural, doesn't it? It's, I think the interesting thing is that some of the spooky feelings I had mm. were before I knew that there was connected. It's not like it was ah. way around. It's not like I went there and thought, and knowing it and thought, yeah. it's, it's places I went for. And then I, when I looked into it, it was like, oh, that, that apparently there was a hangman's tree there. Mm. If I'd have known it the other way around, then you could have said, well, that's just you imagining it. But I think, yeah, that's the nearest I can think of in a real life situation where I think, mm, mm. yeah. I got the funny feelings, and I've always, I always maintain that, that most of the time I don't think about this stuff. But if you show me a film like The Shining, and, and it's too close to bedtime, I will be lying awake thinking every noise I ever hear, every tap, <laughs> every every scratch, every. Well, then I think to myself, if my house is tapping and scratching, maybe there is a ghost. <laughs> oh, I've I've sat in the I've sat in the library store cupboard. And turn the lights out, hoping I'd, because it's an old building I used to live to work in, and um, I was very disappointed. I just <laughs> waited and nothing happened, and turned the light on and just went back to work. Well, hopefully we haven't disappointed you in this last hour, Paul. So thank you very much for giving me your time today and taking us on this whistle stop tour through the ghostly television that uh, uh, we've watched over the years. Uh, so thank yeah. you very much for that. You take care. Yeah, thank. Yeah, you too. Thanks for asking me to discuss it. Many thanks to Paul Chandler, the Shy Yeti, for being our spirit guide into several worlds beyond today. Paul's podcast, The Shy Life, is well worth seeking out and can be found in far more straightforward ways by typing it into the search box of your podcast platform of choice. So that's another edition of Vision on Sound heading into its own eternal afterlife. And I hope that you've enjoyed taking this spirit journey with us once again and want to return for more of this kind of thing next time. My thanks go out to everyone at Fab Radio International for not being too sceptical about what we do. And of course, my thanks go out to all of you for listening. As ever, I have been Martin and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now and take care.